Well, I want you to take your Bible and turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and that's on, in the Black Pew Bible that's in front of you. All you have to do is turn to page 1117, page 1117, and that'll bring you to Matthew, chapter 6. And we're going to look there in just a moment. Before I get into my message, I just wanted to mention that this evening, we're planning on... uh, presenting the project to put new stage lighting up. I think we've talked about it a few times already. Um, This lighting system is obsolete. The new lighting system will be 10 times better. It will also be expensive, but we don't really have a lot of options on that end. Um, It's just kind of the way things are today. But that'll be tonight if uh, we'll kind of finalize that decision. Speaking of expensive and money, uh, I want to talk about money in the bank. Now that has a good sound to it, right? We like to say money in the bank. That means it's safe, it's secure. Uh, Money in the bank as opposed to, let's say, money hidden under your mattress, right? Uh, My grandfather used to keep money in a coffee can, an old coffee can up on the top shelf of the cabinet. It's not quite as secure as money in the bank. And it's better than no money in the bank, that's for sure. So in a bank, it's supposed to be safe, right? That's the whole idea. Someone can't just take it, or can they? You know, I mentioned a little while ago about the coronavirus, and obviously many people are suffering in China, for example. But that virus has also brought great economic upheaval. Economists are saying that essentially China's economy right now is frozen, to the tune of about $60 billion will be lost this quarter alone. Now, July 23rd, which is just a few days ago, on July 20, since July 23rd, the China, Chinese stock market, the Shanghai Index, is down 7.7% in their country. That wipes out $400 billion in less than two weeks. Now, all of that was essentially money in the bank, and it's gone. Do you remember our own Great Recession of 2008 and 2009? Not that long ago, 8 million people lost their jobs, 10 million families lost their homes, 465 banks failed in that year, and most everyone in this room, you lost thousands of dollars in your retirement account. That was all supposedly money in the bank. We thought it was safe. We think our economy and our lives are secure. But at the end of the day, we all know better. All it takes is like one terrorist attack, one company-wide layoff, one lending crisis, one little microscopic germ. Apparently, that's all it takes. But you know what? That's exactly what the Bible says. Whether it's money in the bank or under your mattress or in your wallet or in your dreams, money cannot be trusted. Money should not be trusted. The Bible says that we're not to put our trust in uncertain riches, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy. God's Word tells us that. Now, we're currently studying a section in the Bible known as the Sermon on the Mount. And here, Jesus teaches us, as his kingdom children, uh, how we are to live our lives. 
And, he, and in this, this section here today, he's talking about money and how it fits into our lives as followers of him. So by now, we've all found the, the gospel according to Matthew. We're in chapters um, 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning, we're going to begin reading in verse 19. We're going to read from verses 19 through 21. Now, this is going to be the first message in a mini-series of, of three messages on a right view of money. Should money be our goal, or is it just a tool? Someone said that main, money makes a very good slave, but it makes a horrible master, or a very good servant, but a very bad master. What is the, the proper view of money? This passage in this series will help us to answer that question. Money isn't everything, right? But the, the lack of it is absolutely nothing, right? It was the great theologian Jimmy Stewart who said, some of you got that. Some of you are still waking up. It's a little early. <laughs> he said uh, about money, he said, it sure comes in handy, bub. I'm not sure which movie that was in, but he said that. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So in the first place, you can choose to store up your treasures right here on earth. We're going to call that the World Bank. This represents, you know, just storing up our money, hoarding our money, trusting in our money here on this earth. We're going to call this World Bank all of the financial institutions, all of the investments, all of the assets that we could possibly trust in in this world. Uh, the World Bank, it can be all of that stuff that we collect, that we tend to load up on in our lifetime. Expensive clothes, fancy cars, lands, houses, toys. Whatever we turn to to find satisfaction in life or to find security in life with our money. And certainly it would go on to include things like greed and hoarding that we can all be guilty of committing. This is the world bank that I'm referring to. Lay not up your treasures on earth. And Jesus says something very profound about this matter. Very simple. He says, in the world bank, your deposits will ultimately all disappear. Notice what he says in verse 19. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Actually, it's, it's more like when he says, do not store up for yourselves, he's saying, stop storing up treasures for yourselves. And the word, uh, it's very interesting, the word store up and the word treasures, they're actually forms of the very same word. It would go something like this, stop treasuring up treasures. And it's kind of a play on words in, in the uh, Greek language, stop treasuring treasures or treasuring up treasures. Now that, that may sound maybe negative. Uh, he's expressing it in kind of a negative form. But God's, you know, some people say, well, God's always telling us not to do something. But let's hold on a minute. What if someone had come to you, let's say in November of 2007, 
and they were to say to you, hey, stop putting money in that 401k. You need to freeze that thing. You know what? You need to stop investing in the stock market and move it all to bonds right now. You say, well, that's kind of negative. This is America. We trust our financial system. No. my friend. If you would have followed their advice in that moment, you would have been much better off. You would have benefited greatly by following their advice about the future. In a similar way, Christ is giving us some very solid advice about the ultimate security of our treasures, about our own peace of mind, and our own lasting satisfaction, if we will listen to what he's saying. Now, when he says, stop treasuring up treasures on earth, what what does that mean? Does that mean that we shouldn't have a savings account? Does that mean that we should cash out our 401k and and give all of the money to, uh, to some good cause? No, that's not what it's saying at all. Does it mean that we shouldn't plan ahead for tough times? Jesus isn't saying any of that. Uh, In the Bible, in many places, we know that many other places in the Bible, it talks about the wisdom of saving. It talks about planning for your future and taking care of your family. In Proverbs and other places, the Bible teaches us clearly that saving is a wise idea and it's a good thing. You know, even going a little further, Paul tells us there in Timothy, and we're going to look at that verse because this is the second time I've referred to it. In a little while, we'll get there. He says that God's given us all things to richly enjoy. So he says, actually, when it comes to some of the things God's given us, you can just enjoy them. And that's part of God's blessing. So stop treasuring up treasures doesn't mean that you just unload all of your financial resources. I think we all understand that. What Jesus here is prohibiting is the selfish accumulation of goods. Notice the phrase, on earth. Stop treasuring up treasures on earth. Jesus' concern is stockpiling on earth instead of stockpiling and investing in heaven. You see, Jesus cares about you and I as his kingdom followers. And he knows that that if we just have this big earthly bank account, while our heavenly bank account is like near zero, then one day, the day will come when we will severely regret that fact. Everything that we... uh, He said, he's basically just saying, the world's bank is a poor investment. Don't put all of your eggs in that basket because it's not going to work out well for you. He says that everything that we selfishly use or use up or whatever we leave on this earth is basically, it's wasted on eternity. It's gone. We'll have little to show for it. So we need a, a safer place. We need a more reliable means of of storing up our treasures than just this world bank. So he goes on in this passage, and, he, and because in Jesus' day, banks didn't even exist. You know, I wouldn't be using this illustration of the world bank, you know, because they didn't really exist. So how did they save up their wealth in those days? Well, there were three basic ways, common ways. The first one was actually they collected clothes. A nice wardrobe and fine garments in that day was a sign of wealth. It was actually an investment in wealth. It was almost as good as a bank because fine garments were very expensive and they kept their value. 
They could be sold at any time for the amount you paid or even more. You remember, for example, in the Old Testament, some of you may remember the story of Achan and how he stole gold and silver and precious Babylonian garments because they were worth just as much as gold. And uh, that was the way it was in that day. The only problem was that there was some risk involved. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like online credit card fraud. It was moths. Moths were common and, and they didn't have mothballs. So if a moth got into your trunk full of precious, valuable garments, they could be ruined just that easy. It was a, a common problem. Their value would be lost. The second way of accumulating wealth was to store grains in barns. And, and there's references to that in different stories in the Bible as well because famine was like this ever-present reality. They were just one planting season away from famine. So, so if a person could store up grains in their barns and they could hold them there, whenever there was famine, they could sell that and they would be fabulously rich. And so that was another way of accumulating wealth, was storing up grain. So the word in our text here, the word rust, where it says rust corrupts, it's actually, it is that idea of eating away. But it's very likely that Jesus was talking about grain and how grain could be ruined or rats would get into the grain and eat it and spoil it. And if all of your grains that you have stored up, and this is all of your wealth, it's like, Dollars in a bank, I have bushels of grain in this barn, but if rats got in there or they started to rot or whatever the case was and it was eaten up or it was destroyed, then all of that investment would be lost. Now the third method was to save literally gold and silver. And the people in Jesus' day, they didn't have banks again. So what they did is they literally buried it in their house. They would find a secret spot under a bed or whatever the case may, may be, and they would just lift up the floor, or if they had dirt floors, they would just dig down and they would bury it there, and only they knew where it was, hopefully, supposedly, right? But the houses in that time were, were just hardened clay. And so a burglar would break in and would actually dig a hole in the wall of their house to get in. And would dig in and, and dig out the gold and would rob it and steal it. And in the first century, thieves were actually called diggers. A digger was a thief because of this digging into the house. So in essence, if, if you have all of this wealth stored up, if the moths didn't get it, if the rats didn't ruin it, then some thief would break in and steal it. So it, it was not secure. It was not secure then. And listen, it's really not secure now, is it? I mean, we just look around us, right? We want it to be secure. We try to make it secure. You know, I mean, just, you know, just this week alone, I, I had this Nigerian prince. I, I didn't even know I was related to him, but I am. And he was going to send me $2 million just this past week. It never got here. I mean, someone stole it, I guess. I don't know what happened. We're to the point where you can't even trust the internet anymore. It just goes to show you that we're just as in bad a shape as they were in Jesus. We have all of this technology, and they can't even wire me my $2 million. I don't know what the problem is. 
Jesus warns us not to hoard up treasures in the banks of this world. It's not that the treasures might be lost. He says they will be lost. Anything that we're just hoarding up selfishly is going to be lost on eternity. Earthly treasures are perishable. They're vulnerable. Have you heard the expression? um, We've all heard the expression, you know, you can't take it with you, right? But Jesus is, you know, you've heard the expression, you know, if you've never seen a a trailer hitch on the back of a hearse, right? You've never been in a funeral procession and they've got this U-Haul truck coming up behind the hearse. That doesn't happen. And, um, you know, several years ago, uh, my mom was visiting. And and by the way, I want to say thank you to all of you for the kindness and friendliness that you showed to my mom when she was here recently visiting. She had a great time, and she loves being around all of you, and she really enjoyed her visit. A few years back, she was visiting, and we went up to the Field Museum in Chicago to see the King Tut exhibit. It was amazing. I'd always wanted to see that, and I finally got to. Uh, King Tutankhamun was his full name. And I, I know most of you know about King Tut, but he was a young boy king, a pharaoh in Egypt. And, and when he died, they completely filled his tomb with hundreds of artifacts of gold. I mean, there were gold crowns, there were gold, solid gold cups, solid gold forks and spoons, pure gold breastplates and bracelets and all kinds of jewelry. And, I mean, you can see all of this stuff behind glass, and it's all pure gold from, you know, over 2,000 years ago, about 3,000 years ago, actually. And they said that um, we got to see even these golden and brass and copper sandals that he wore, and on the bottom of the sandals were engraved his, the image of his enemies so that he would step on them every time he walked. And he lived a life of power and opulence. And he stored up all of his treasures on earth. And even when he died, they put them all in his tomb with him so that, in their beliefs, he could take them all to the afterlife and enjoy them there. But of course, we know none of that happened. 3,000 years later, in 1922, when they, when they discovered his tomb, it was all right there, lying around, piled up all around his, his gold-plated sarcophagus. It was all right there. It was all lost to him. My friend, 1,300 years after King Tutankhamun, another king was born, King Jesus. And he was born in poverty. He was raised in obscurity. He wore simple sandals made out of sheep leather. And he went about and he fed the hungry. He helped the sick. He didn't come to be served. Rather, he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, the Bible says. And he did give his life. He gave his life in death. Uh, Not the death of a king but the death of a criminal. He he wore a crown, but not of gold. It was a crown of thorns. And they put a purple robe on him, not out of honor, but out of pure mocking. So poor was he that they laid him in a borrowed tomb. And then, hundreds of years later, 
when they discovered that tomb, it was completely empty. There was nothing in that tomb. There was no one in that tomb. It was empty. And he was gone. But you know what? He was rich. He had great eternal riches, as the Bible says, that he brought many sons and daughters to glory. My friend, he will bring you to glory. If you will come to him, he will come into your life. He will change you. He will change how you see yourself. He will change the way you see money. He will change the way you see life. He will make you truly rich, rich with eternal treasures. You know what? You, you can't take it with you. That statement is absolutely true. But you know what? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he adds something onto the end of that statement. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can send it on ahead if you will invest. So we, so we come to the other choice. We, we kind of talked about the World Bank. But where do you really need to keep your really long-term investments? What is the safest bank anywhere around? Well, we're going to call it the eternal savings and trust. And look at verse 20 at what it says. Here it is, right here in verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Notice that God does want us to store up treasures. He's actually telling us to do it. He just tells us to do it in a more reliable fashion, a more reliable place. Make them eternal treasures, and then you know what? You can keep them forever. They're truly safe, and you can enjoy them for a very, 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 very long time. You know, Matthew 6.20, the verse that I just read, it's really one of the clearest verses in the New Testament about the idea of eternal rewards. Now, I know some people, when you start talking about rewards in heaven and crowns and eternal rewards, you know, some of you are thinking, you know, Pastor Phil, that's really a selfish motivation. I mean, I'm not going to pursue eternal rewards. I want to do what I do because I love God and I will worship Him. You know, you know I, I appreciate that sentiment, but there's only one problem with that view. Jesus commands you to store up yourself treasures in heaven. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. You need to be storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You need to invest in eternal rewards. If Jesus says something that we are to do, then we don't need to think, oh, oh, you know, I have purer motives than Jesus. <laughs> that doesn't play out well, does it? We, we can't be more spiritual than Jesus. That just, that's not going to work. He tells us that this is what he wants us to do. And not only that, that this command, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, it's in the present tense. That means from the moment you become a Christian, over the course of your entire Christian life, until Jesus returns and you and I are to be storing up treasures in heaven for ourselves in heaven's bank, the eternal savings and trust. And do you know why? You see, it's not selfish because Jesus knows that ultimately our eternal treasures will glorify him. And you know, Jesus would never tell us to do something that was sinfully selfish. As a matter of fact, 
when you go about the work of storing up treasures in heaven, it's going to call upon you to do some very unselfish things, right? When you give away your possessions, when you help those in need, when you uh, sacrifice your earthly budget, when you serve other people in tangible and practical ways, listen, it's going to require a great of unselfishness, a great deal of selflessness as you go about doing these things. And there's all kinds of ways. You know, if, if you perhaps here at Lake Hills, you want to give in some way. Really, a great place to start is, is right out there in the foyer. We, we have the, the bottle drive for the Women's Center. Women in crisis, crisis pregnancy situations. And there's a little box out there. You can just, whatever you want to. We have the Baptist Children's Home where you can, uh, I mean, you can go out and shop. I took my daughter. It was a wonderful experience to go up and down the aisles of Strax and say, okay, what can we buy as we're thinking about And they're not all children. They're teenagers. They're teenagers, and their moms and dads are in jail for drugs. Their whole lives, their parents have been strung out on drugs. They don't know any. They, they don't know a fraction of the blessings that you and I enjoy and take for granted every single day. And you can give to that. My friend, when you do, you don't ever, 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 ever have to worry or think twice about losing that investment. It is completely, 100% safe. And I want to tell you something. The best thing you could ever do with your resources is bankroll heaven. It is 100% safe. No stock market crash, no thief, no bad investment choice on your part. Nothing is ever going to touch that. It is once and for all eternally secure. It's there waiting on you. And Proverbs says it better than I can. He that gives to the poor lends to the Lord, and that he will repay him again. You can bank on that. That's the word of God. When you give something to someone in need, all you've done, all you've done is loan your money to God. And God is going to pay you back with interest. It's sure, it's guaranteed. What if I were, what if you were to imagine with me just for a moment, and I offered to give you $1,000 a week. I tell you what, let's call it the freedom dividend, all right? And you can call me Andrew Yang, right? <laughs> Would you accept that gift? Would you accept $1,000? Yeah, right? Yeah, you would, you'd be silly not to. But what if I said this? Instead of giving you $1,000 a month or giving you $1,000 right now, let's say I'm going to give you $1,000, but instead of that $1,000, I tell you that, you know, I let you know that someone else, if you will just wait for a year, instead of me giving you $1,000 right now, if you will just wait for a year, someone else will give you $100,000. And that, as a matter of fact, they will give you $100,000 every year, over and over again, every year after that. 
Now, which one would be foolish to do? No, you're not going to take that $1,000. You're going to wait a year and get the $100,000. And do you realize it would be foolish to take that $1,000 in that case? And that's what we're doing when Jesus promises us a hundredfold return on our investment and we want to settle for chump change or something. We want trinkets. We want things that are perishing. And we don't want to wait a measly year. You see, because eternity, compared to our lifetime, is like a nanosecond. Forget a year. It's, our life is like a nanosecond. And for millions and millions of years, you will enjoy the eternal treasures that you have treasured up for yourself, for God's glory. Here's a verse, 1 Peter 1.4 says, God has reserved a priceless inheritance for his children. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Would you give up on temporarily doing something here on earth in order to have treasure in heaven? Sure you would. And you could, um, you could give up a, a Starbucks coffee. Or you could shorten your family's food budget. How much a month do you spend on food? I mean, just, just groceries, not eating out, just groceries. Right? If you shortened that up and you supported a child at Freedom International in the Dominican Republic, and you, were, you supported a child like that for whatever the amount is, $30 a month, you could drive a little bit of an older car or have a less expensive wardrobe. You choose to live in a little bit more of a modest home. You do all of those kinds of things and you're, you're being creative and you come up with ideas. And my friend, one day it will be worth it all. One day in the not too distant future, Jesus Christ will return and he will bring back this is, you haven't thought about this. I don't even know if you realize this. But the Bible says that when he returns, he will bring your treasures back with him, the ones you have stored up. That's in Revelation twenty two twelve. It says, Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me. He's bringing it back for those who have invested in the one, the one and only safe place to lay up your treasures in heaven. It was uh, Jim Elliot who said, no man is a fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Let's bow together for prayer this morning. Just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. You know, I wonder if there's anyone here today and you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior. Oh, I would invite you today to, to invite King Jesus to come into your life. He loves you so very much. He loves you so much that he gave his life to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins. 
and then he rose again. His tomb is empty, and he is the Savior of the world. But my friend, is he your Savior? You can believe in him. You can receive him in this very moment. Just open up your heart in faith and ask him, Dear Jesus, please come into my life. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my God. I accept you right now. And I accept your gift of salvation. Would you pray that prayer right now? Dear Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior. I wonder how many others of us across this room, as kingdom children, as members of the kingdom of God, learning to live that kingdom-focused life. I wonder how many of us need to reflect and decide and make decisions based upon where we're storing up our treasures. I would just encourage you to be obedient today to whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you. It may be something as simple as giving to one of these ministries that I mentioned. It may be a a step of faith in deciding that you're going to tithe and you're going to give on a regular, monthly, or bi-weekly basis. Making that step of faith and that commitment that you are trusting in God that you're going to invest in heaven and you're going to trust in him to help meet your needs on this earth. Well, that's a huge step of, in your spiritual life. There may be others across this room and, and really, as you reflect on this passage, you could do significant things. You could make a big investment in heaven. And my friend... It's money in the bank, in heaven's bank. It is an investment that you will not, you cannot lose. Our Father God, we thank you so much for your presence in our life. We thank you, Father, for the gift of eternal life. But we thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to partner and invest with you in your kingdom. Lord, help us not to miss the wonderful opportunity with all of the blessings that you have given to us, how that we can in turn be a blessing and at the same time store up treasures in heaven. What an opportunity that you give us. Bless us and help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.